This is Pet Life Radio. Let's talk pets. Welcome to Covered in Pet Hair, a boozy web show for pet lovers on Pet Life Radio. I'm your host, Isabel Alvarez-Arada, and today I have the pleasure of having a drink and a chat with a cop with a very special message from beyond. I'll tell you all about him and introduce you as soon as we come back from these messages from our sponsors. Molly, here's your dinner. (coughs) Zeus, that's not your food. Don't let that happen to your precious cat. Elevate your cat's eating experience with the Cat Tree Tray. The Cat Tree Tray keeps your cat's food off the floor and conveniently located on the cat tree. It's the perfect way to eat. It's a beautiful wrought iron tray that easily attaches to your cat tree and keeps dogs and other critters out of your cat's dish. A must for multi-pet households. There's a 6-inch tray for large bowls and a 4-inch tray for smaller bowls. Purchase your Cat Tree Tray today. Go right now to CatTreeTray.com. That's CatTreeTray.com. C-A-T-T-R-E-E-T-R-A-Y.com. Let's Talk Pets on PetLifeRadio.com. Welcome back to Covered in Pet Hair. I'm your host, Isabel alvarez Rada, and today I have the pleasure of having a drink and a chat with a pet parent, a Reiki master, a craft beer guru. He's a coffee lover, a Californian born and raised, husband to Misha, dad to a human daughter by the name of Madison, dog dad to a golden doodle named Ellie, and a very special Chihuahua mix named Pepper. He's caregiver to a chinchilla named Skipper D. He is a police officer, and he's the author of Tyson's Gift, How an Eight-Pound Canine Became a Man's Greatest Spiritual Guide. His name is Brandon Wainwright. Welcome, Brandon. Mm, hi, thank you. <laughs> it's good to be here. I'm so excited so, to talk to you. You have such uh, a cool story. Well, thanks. I think I so. <laughs> I can't wait to hear, and I'm not going to ask yet, but I can't wait to hear how your fellow police officers, law enforcement officers react when you tell them about this book you wrote. But before we get into that, anybody participating in our drinking game today, anytime you hear this word, the secret word is Tyson. Make sure you take a drink of whatever it is you're enjoying, but please be 21 and over to imbibe. Remember, there's a police officer in the building oh, and uh, make sure you on. never drink and drive and <laughs> always drink responsibly. So what are you drinking tonight, Brandon? Oh, it's uh, the ice is already melted, but I am having a Tyson tonic. Ooh. This, 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 this drink is named after my dog, Tyson. It's actually just a regular gin and tonic, but with some grenadine in it. Nice. So, wait, I created this today just for the show. But In honor on, of your call. love of Tyson. <laughs> it'll, be, it'll be called Tyson Tonic. Yep. I love it. I'm going to have a Tyson Tonic soon. I'm going to try <laughs> that recipe out. It's pretty, I'm it's actually, pretty good. Is it? That's perfect. Mm-hmm. I mean, you can't go wrong with a gin and tonic. You can no. add whatever you want to it, but a gin and tonic is always a good idea, right? Yeah, that's right. <laughs> All right. Well, I'm having a glass of rosé and um, it's actually an Italian rosé. I got this at Costco. Are you a Costco, BJ's, Sam's Club person? We go. I don't go a lot, but yeah. 
Okay, see, I'm okay. a huge Costco fan. And this year they had a summer like wine case of like half bottles. And this is an Italian rosato of Pinot Grigio, which rosés made of Pinot Grigio grapes are actually not super common. And it is called Lilo Rosato. And it's got a little puppy on it. Yeah. Can you see that? So today Boston, we're having huh? a little, yeah, I guess a Boston Terrier. Is that what it is? I, I think so. Pretty sure. It looks like it. I think you're right. Yeah. All right. So this is what I'm having today. So cheers to you uh, for sharing cheers. your story with me. Ching, well, ching. I have to tell my wife about that because she she was like that. So you know go, what? Go down to Costco. So it was this case of, I think it was 12 half bottles. And it was all from Italy, Portugal, and France, I think it was. And it was summer wine. So there was some reds, some rosés, and some whites. And honestly, it was amazing. And I got lucky. I actually got the last case at our Costco. Oh. And I told my mom about it. She lives in Miami. And she found it. And every time we talk, she's like, have you had this one? Have you had this one? Which one did you try? So it's kind of like a like to. a party in a case. <laughs> So I like to start this show with a game. And because you're in law enforcement, I did a little research on some weird stories about dogs and cops. Okay. This is a game that I created from based on information I found on dogtime.com. I've never heard of that website, but they have kind of like a this random seven stories, like weird stories about cops and dogs. Okay. So mm. I'm going to tell you these stories, a little quick blurb of each story. And you're going to tell me if it happened or not. This is called okay. did it happen? Canine edition. All right. Oh. If it rings true, you say it happened. If you think that's totally made up, it didn't happen. Okay. All right. And if you get it wrong, you got to drink. All right. <laughs> that's no problem. All right. Here we go. <laughs> Did it happen? K-9 edition. A pup named Gavel was enrolled in a 16-month police dog training program in Australia when his handlers decided to fire him because he was too nice. Luckily for Gavel, however, he went on to have a career as a vice regal dog when he was adopted by the governor of Queensland. Did it happen or did it not? Happened. It did happen. Gavel yeah. is a real dog with a very <laughs> big job. But I'll... You'll drink anyway? anyway. <laughs> oh, yeah, we'll sip anyway. <laughs> All right, next one. Veda, a canine police dog, tracked down a New Hampshire suspect who was hiding in a trailer. The man fought with the dog, biting her on the head. Once apprehended, the man's charges included assault on a canine officer, among other things. Did it happen or did it not? Happened. It definitely happened. <laughs> yes, so the guy bit the dog. And still that everybody knows, she went on to be just fine. And thanks to her partner, that man was behind bars as he should have been. All right, next one. <laughs> a stray hound dog that would eventually be named Sox crashed a police training in Morgantown, West Virginia, and quickly won over the precinct with her tenacity. She was eventually trained as a canine and went on to work with the force for 10 plus years before retiring. Did it happen or did it not? Crashed the what now? The, uh, the... She crashed a police training in Morgantown, West Virginia. Oh, I'm going to say it happened. It didn't happen. I totally ah. made that up. <laughs> hey, I could Cheers. see it happening. <laughs> I know. You know what? It's it's created by my dog Socks, who passed away last year, and I feel like that would have that should have been her story because she would have been an amazing police dog. So here's to Socks. I had a dog named Socks when I was a kid. Mm -hmm. Did it look like it had socks on its paws? Yeah, yeah. That's hey. how we named her. 
He's in the book. Kind of a sad story, but he's, he's in the oh, book. Oh, well, Sox was not an easy dog. She passed away at, toward the beginning of the pandemic. And it was one of those bittersweet kind of things because she was not an easy dog. And it was probably her time. Uh, next one. An Ohio man called 911 asking for a police dog to help him find a woman who had stolen heroin from him. Did it happen or did it not? I'd say it happened. It absolutely happened. <laughs> Nothing surprises me. <laughs> I was thinking that when I wrote that. I was like, he probably is going to know that exactly happened because as a cop, he's seen it all. <laughs> all right, next one. Prosecutors in England were probably just doing their jobs when they asked an officer on the scene of a crime known as PC Peach to give a report. The only problem was that PC Peach was a dog. Did it happen or did it not? I don't think it happened. It actually happened. And wait, they <laughs> submitted a pop print signed account from PC Peach that read, I chase him, I bite him, bad man, he tasty, good boy, good boy Peach. And apparently the prosecutors did not find it funny. But of course, the police officers found it hilarious. Yeah, I wish... <laughs> Wish we could get away with something like that. <laughs> it must be an England, an English thing. They have better <laughs> sense of humor than we do. <laughs> uh, they do. All right, last one. And this one you'll find extra nice because it is about a chihuahua. A Japanese police force has made a chihuahua by the name of Momo famous for her work sniffing out victims of earthquakes, an ability they credit to her tiny stature. Did it happen or did it not? Happen. It definitely happened. Momo is a real dog, and uh, she apparently is so gifted at scent work that she can find people, drugs, I don't know, whatever it is that she's looking for, like this. So awesome job. Cool. Thank you for playing my <laughs> game. All right, so tell me, how does a police officer find himself writing a book about like a spiritual journey? How does that happen? I had one. I had a journey that was worth telling a story about, and, and so I ended up you know, writing a book. It wasn't something I ever aspired to do, but it became very clear to me that it was something that needed to be done. And so I did it. That is amazing. A, so yeah, did you get pushback from like your peers, your, and we'll talk about the details of the book, obviously, but I just, I'm curious when you say that you have this spiritual experience and you want to write a book about it and you tell your friends, your peers at work, your family, like what was their reaction? They knew how, how hard losing Tyson was on me. And so I don't think that they, I think they thought it was cool. And I, most people, they trip on, you know, like, cause writing a book is something that most people don't do. And they, so they think it's something that's really, really, really difficult. And so they just, they respect the effort. I think, I think that's the reaction that, that more than anything. Now, the stuff that I talk about in the book, the spiritual stuff, that's some of it's esoteric, metaphysical, and a lot of that, some people think it's really cool. Others are like, you know what? I don't necessarily believe it, but I'm proud of you for, for writing the book. So I've, right. I've had people have been supportive. I'm sure they make fun of me behind my back sometimes, <laughs> and stuff, but, 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 you know, it's none of it's done with malice. It's overall, I think it's been, it's been very well received. So absolutely. Um, so no. you were not a religious person, right? You're no. not really. So this was something that even to you was out of your comfort zone. And for me, I've always been either religious or spiritual or whatever. So I'm super open to you know whatever metaphysical stuff that people talk about but even for you was it hard to be like okay this is happening and well embrace it yeah well it, it, it was hard so i'll give just a little brief description because i don't want to tell everything that's in the book otherwise you won't <laughs> want to read it but so so basically i tyson was my my soulmate he changed my life in the best ways 
and he helped me heal over things that happened in my past and family issues. He helped my wife and I grow together because he came into our lives right before we got engaged. So there's all kinds of levels that he, he made things better. I'm looking at his picture there. Um, you know, uh, so losing him was really hard, like hard, the hardest loss of a, a living loved one that I, I had ever experienced. You know, and here I was in my mid forties. So it's not like I haven't had those experiences before. So religion for me was always something that was just daunting is the best way to put it. Like I tried on religions over the years, several of them. And no, no, I just, I couldn't buy into them. It wasn't that I didn't, that I had anything against religion or anything about it. It just was things that I, I lost. I was actually, I was engaged to another woman that I ended up, we had to break up because I wouldn't convert to her religion. And it wasn't, I wasn't being spiteful. It was just, I couldn't, I couldn't take it in and I couldn't, I wasn't going to live my life by something that I didn't believe in. So, so in that sense, it was difficult because these are, you know, in my mind at this point, like I, I had spiritual experiences. It wasn't like I was completely ignorant to these concepts, but in my mind, a lot of it was, they were all kind of part of the same elusive, you know, enigma, if you will. So it was hard in that sense. But when I, when I started having the experiences that I was having, most of them were things that I sought out and I sought them out out of an effort to heal and to make peace. But I was still very skeptical of whether or not this was really real. I was constantly trying to check in with myself. Are you, is this just you trying to convince yourself that it's real because you're in so much pain? And I'm not somebody that's, I can't do that. I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to, because the thing is, if you do that, as soon as the pain subsides, you're going to go right back. Right. Mm-hmm. So, so no, I wasn't, it was hard for me in that sense because I was trying to be as honest as I could right. and not just jump in hook, line and sinker because I was desperate for some, some peace and, you know, right comforting. But I was also very open because what I was seeking out and the things that I was being exposed to was so beautiful and amazing. And so it was kind of a mixed bag. It was a challenge. And it was like, as I had these experiences and had my eyes open, I was having to assimilate this new perspective into my existence and having to accept things that previously I would have considered to be not necessarily not true, but not something that I, I thought I could ever be convinced of. You know what I mean? So, and now you're, and now you're sharing it from, and now first, I'm sharing like, it. Yeah. First hand experience. But it's, it's like one of those things where it's sort of a step-by-step process. You can't, you know, it was baby steps, big, big baby steps, but still it was, it took some, some effort and, and it was something that I had to constantly be very self-reflective on in order to get through it, you know, but it was, it was wonderful at the same time, you know, obviously, right. otherwise I wouldn't have written a book about it. Well, know? tell us about the book. <laughs> what is it like? Well, I haven't read it yet. And I do want to make sure that people know that I don't like to read the books before I interview the authors. Cause I want to experience the book after I've spoken to the author. So I usually research the author. I research my games. I do all the things, but I don't want to read until I kind of get the background, the inspiration. Yeah. And I want to experience the book and the interview, like as yeah. without knowledge. So I know uh, you'll have a lot you, more, a lot more context when you read yeah, it. I, I yeah. feel like I do. And I feel like I, I feel like an insider once I get my hands on the book. So tell us about yeah. the book a little bit, just briefly kind of what to expect when we pick up Tyson's gift. So the way I describe it to, you know, and I'm where, when I reached out to you, what I put in the letters, and it, I think it's pretty accurate is that it's kind of, um, it's sort of a combination between Marley and me. And cause it's told from my perspective. Um, and it's got, it's obviously not the same story and it's not the same dog and everything, but it's kind of told with, with that tone where I'm telling, 
our story. So it, it, it documents Tyson's life and all of his crazy. Cause he was, he was a very unique dog, had a big personality, quirky, but just incredibly rich describes all that. But, you know, it's also telling our story, my kind of an autobiographical story, but you know, through Tyson. So it doesn't get into every aspect, but it kind of tells the big points of our lives, the different changes that we went through as it tells these crazy stories that Tyson had. <laughs> so it says, so for the first half of the book, it's, it's a lot like Marley and me, I would say the second half of the book is from the time, you know, I'll prepare you. It, it says that he does pass away in the book and it, that part is sad, but you know, the, most of the book is funny and after he passed away, it becomes very uplifting, I think. So I don't want people to be deterred by that or feel like it's, you know, cause no, I, I, I don't there's think a lot people of people are that, deterred. Well, the people yeah. won't watch movies where the dog dies. I'm one yeah. of those people. I yeah. cannot watch Marley and me. I have not watched a dog's purpose. I read a dog's purpose. The first one, cause I think he's done like a dog's Christmas and he's done other books. Yeah. I read that book on an airplane sobbing, but I could not put it down. So reading a book and watching a movie for me at least is very different. That, so I think people aren't super deterred by the sadness, especially if there's like a really interesting. I've had a number of people that have like friends that have been like, they want to read it and they, they keep, I keep saying, did you, did you get it? No, I just, I, I'm afraid I'm going to cry. And, cry! And, Crying is right. good! Yeah, you'd be surprised. <laughs> there are people out there that they won't want to read it because well, I'm not surprised your law enforcement friends don't want to go and like sit no, with a I, cup of tea and cry. Most of them won't <laughs> even read it, to be honest with you. <laughs> but I, I mean, eventually people do read it, but I just want people to know, your audience to know that it's, yeah, I mean, it, it has that in it because it's a, it's a true story, but it, overall it's very uplifting. And the ending is uplifting and everything, you know, so don't be intimidated by that, by the fact that, that he passes away. So absolutely. So halfway through he passes away and then it, then it becomes more about me and my process and, you know, I, which I just kind of alluded to, but basically with, you know, I'm there, I am devastated and, and I'm trying to go through the grieving process as, you know, mid forties person. I've been through this before. I know there's, there's stages and this is going to take time, but there was something about this one that was making it really hard for me to wrap my brain around it. And so I, long story short, I ended up reading some books in an effort to give myself comfort about animals in, in, in the afterlife. And in fact, I read one called Animals and the Afterlife by Kim Sheridan. Okay. And that's, she's a doctor, a naturopathic doctor. And she tells a lot of her autobiographical stories of animals that she's had. And she's also very gifted as far as, you know, intuitively and that sort of thing. So I was so compelled by that, that inspired me to start looking into some of the concepts that she talks about, which animal communication, which if you're not familiar, animal communicators are, are intuitives, mediums, basically, that are able to communicate with animals' souls. So it could, the animal could be alive and they can communicate with their soul. They could be passed beyond this reality and they can still communicate with them. And the stories that are shared in this book were so compelling that I was like, well, if this is possible, I need to explore it because yes. I have to at least give this a try because I, how could I not? I desperately wanted to know that my dog was okay. That was the thing as I was having trouble, the loss is devastating and that's going to be the case no matter what, because you're, you know, they're no longer in your life, but knowing that he was okay, because he was such a special rich soul. It was hard for me to even fathom the idea that he was no, was no longer ex in existence, you know? Right. That's what inspired me to 
go for it because it was like, well, what do I have to lose? This is what it was going to take to get somebody like me to voluntarily and <laughs> with any seriousness going in and considering these ideas. Because I might find it interesting before and be willing to listen to the story, but it would be never, it'd never be something that I would have like sought after or That's even necessarily read the book. You know, I would have just, I would have been, maybe I saw an article on, you know, some kind of a little write up on it or something. I would have read it, but I would, it probably wouldn't have made me want to jump. But this was different because I, you know, I was basically filleted spiritually, emotionally. And so as I started into these, this exploration, I found that this, this stuff was real and I started having my own experiences in it. And it wasn't just like general, like information that anybody could have deduced or guessed. In fact, the, you'll see in it the first one or two that I, I worked with, because I worked with three initially and I was, I was actually disappointed you know, like I in the first animal communicator you, you sought out. Yeah. And it wasn't that the wow. person wasn't, it wasn't that they weren't legit. It was just that, you know, the stuff that I was getting from her wasn't enough to make me, sorry, <laughs> um, it was, wasn't enough to make me a believer, you know, and I wanted to believe it. It was like, oh, this yeah. isn't, you know, and I, it left me wanting, but, you know, I wasn't convinced at all. The third one was a completely different story. It was so specific. And I mean, down to physical issues and you know and i felt in my in my soul i felt it in my you know i felt knew that this was real right if you've ever experienced that where you know something is right or you know something's going to happen you just know it that's mm -hmm. how i felt about it partly because it was so compelling partly because i was you got the proof energy. you needed too though well you got some proof i got some proof bit. i felt like i was a believer but I wouldn't, you know, in a, but mm -hmm. I wouldn't say that I was 100% convinced. I was still skeptical, and then that was just, you know, it's my nature. I'm, I'm going to need more than that. Right. I won't go into all the details, but I had even more profound experiences, and then more profound experiences, and I mean, things that were happening were were so just significant and just life changing that I realized that. You know, this is real and we do live on, we are spirits having a human experience, not the other way around. And it's hard to, you know, I, th I think for people that kind of live in this realm of spirituality versus religious, I think people in your audience right now, they're like, they probably know exactly what I'm talking about, but, oh, absolutely. but, but someone that's never been exposed to it or somebody that has kind of maybe been exposed, but not with their eyes quite open or somebody that, you know, and I'm not knocking religion, but somebody that's dogmatically religious mm -hmm. and believes in the afterlife, but they believe according to the structure and paradigm right. that the, which their church sets for them. It's more of an abstract idea as opposed mm -hmm. to a truly tangible, real one that you can truly be comforted by. I mean, not by just, oh, they, I was told this, I believe it, I'm, I'm right. comforted. Right. It's a different story when you experience it. You could read my book, please do, by the way, yes. um, but it'll introduce you. It'll hopefully compel you to do your own exploring. But it, even though you might read it and be a believer, it's not going to be the same thing as if you experience it for yourself. And so my idea here is to inspire people with my story and, and to entertain them because it is an entertaining book to go out and learn this for themselves. So what I would say is, and I'm, I'm not going to give away the ending or anything. The, the ending well, I'm going to dig in. I'm going to dig into a few more things. So you can give a little bit more. Because uh, well, gonna, in the second half of this episode, I'm going to ask some specifics. <laughs> I, what I would describe in a, in a bit of a, a not precise comparison, but I would say so that the first half of the book is like is a lot like Marley. I mean, the second half of the book is a lot like a real life version of a dog's purpose. Yes. Okay. Yes. I, 
and I'm not joking here. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. This is not. I mean, actually, not, I don't know. I don't know if a dog's purpose has any kind of like inspiration in real life. I actually don't. Oh, I, know. Bet I, it does. I always, I always assumed it was just like kind of like you know stories. Yeah. Um, but this is a real life dog's purpose, and I want to dig into the specifics of how this happened, what messages you've received. But we have to take a break. So sit tight. We'll be right back after these messages from our sponsors. Take a bite out of your competition. Advertise your business with an ad in Pet Life Radio podcasts and radio shows. There is no other pet-related media that is as large and reaches more pet parents and pet lovers than Pet Life Radio. With over 7 million monthly listeners, Pet Life Radio podcasts are available on all major podcast platforms. And our live radio stream goes out to over 250 million subscribers on iHeartRadio, Odyssey, TuneIn, Stitcher, and other streaming apps. For more information on how you can advertise on the number one pet podcast and radio network, visit PetLifeRadio.com slash advertise today. Let's talk pets. Let's talk pets. On Pet Life Radio. Pet Life Radio. PetLifeRadio.com. Welcome back to Covered in Pet Hair. I'm your host, Isabel alvarez Arada, and today I'm speaking to the author of a book called Tyson's Gift, where an eight-pound chihuahua teaches the author his dog dad, lots of lessons. He not only teaches him the lessons during life, he teaches him some lessons after life. So my guest, Brandon, is going to play a little game with me. And this is called Tyson's Gift. Very easy. I phoned that one in. And this is a one minute game where I'm going to give you one minute on the clock. And you are going to tell me the most amazing revelations you've learned from Tyson after he went to the rainbow bridge. So after when you started communicating with him, just tell me kinds of things that you've learned from him. Do you think you can put them on like the most noteworthy in a minute? I think so. I, 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 well, I don't know about them. I could, I could give you some good ones. Let's okay, good. One. All right. Okay. So let's give me all you have for one minute now. Right. Well, the, the main thing, the first thing that he gave me that was super poignant and, and was that he came to me to open my heart. And the thing was, he came to my wife first. And what he told, and this, mind you, this is coming to me through somebody that doesn't know me. He came to my wife first, but the reason he came to her was to get to me. And it was to open my heart. And and so that was pretty profound. Not surprising. I think a lot of pets do that for their people. The a big part of my purpose in this life along with Tyson spiritually and you know, with his help actually is what he said is to write this book. Oh. Yeah. And I don't know exactly what that means or how it's going to play in. The other thing that he communicated to me was that my reason, me being a cop is very important when it comes to getting this out and it may having it make a difference to people. I'm not sure how or why that's going to be a thing, but that's what he told me. Mm-hmm. Um, you, you one know, more. I'll, You've already gone you know, over a minute, but I want to know one more. <laughs> well, I'll, I think I think a, a lot of what he's communicated to me has been stuff that was was there to validate that it was him. Mm-hmm. And so again, I think the biggest thing that I've received from him is that we live on and that we're connected to each other. You know, this is according to him, we've had many lives together. 
and I'll give you just a little hint on one of them. It, it was this is something that's in the book. It's it's just one little nibble. Um, <laughs> when I asked, well, you know, have we been together before? And the person was telling, yes, yes, you have. And she didn't give me any real details on it. But what I pictured in my head, what was I had pictures flying into my head as I'm asking this question. I pictured myself in overalls barefoot on a dirt road somewhere, okay? And like on a ranch, I don't know where, but somewhere, somewhere maybe, I, I don't know. It's a long El Paso, time ago, Texas. probably. Could be, could be, <laughs> but some, a, a long time ago though, right? Wow. And the next, se- I did another session with her later and I asked her to elucidate a little bit on that, what she said there. She says, well, she says, you were very poor and I don't want to like Appalachian poor. And I don't, she says, I don't want to stereotype or seem cliche, but I'm seeing you in overalls barefoot. Wow. What that yeah. image you had already had. Yeah. Yeah. The only, and then she said I was a toehead, which obviously I'm not in this night. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, that was. Were you time. young in this image? An adult? What, yeah, what like a little you? kid. Like a little kid. You were kid. a little kid. Also, yeah. that's just I from mean, my, that's, my that's imagination. What it, that's what it felt like. You know, I mean, it was a, from the first person. It was a right, point of view. Right, you know, right, like, right. Yeah. Yeah, the image that I had. But yeah, those are just a couple things, you know. Well, well, I do actually agree that there's a very unique aspect of your experience and your story being in law enforcement. I feel like you can connect to people who normally wouldn't connect to this kind of story. So like... I've always followed animal communicators. I was given a book by Penelope Smith, who's an animal communicator. When one of my clients' pets died, she had gotten the book as a gift. She passed it on to me because I was mourning the death of her dog too. I had taken care of him for a really long time. So after she read it, she handed it off and it was fascinating. And so I've been open to Mm -hmm. it. I know Tim Link, who Tim Link was my first guest on season one. You guys need to connect. We did. Oh, you did? Good, good, good. Good. Have you been on his show yet? Yeah. Animal rights. Yep. Yay. Uh, okay. Yeah. So I was going to say, you and have he's to super, be on his he's show. Super, he's super sharp. Super he's sharp. He's really good. He was, I, he's the first consultation I've ever had, but they're all like animal people, right? Like they're yeah. just people who've always worked with animals. So of course you're saying, okay, this person has this connection. This person has this belief system because of what they've done for their career. But here you are a guy who doesn't work with animals professionally, who had one experience, very profound experience, who wrote a book about it and who has a job that's kind of contrary to this like almost right to it's the very me- to, to the metaphysics very, like, yeah I yeah mean, it's very right. like you know just on a stereotypical level yeah I yeah would say so it's definitely. like very like rules oriented black and white almost the law tends to be you know in our minds black proof. and white it's need, right I or need, wrong yes. i need proof yeah proof correct like you know investigations and here you are conducting your own investigation but like of a totally different kind so yeah. i i just i think it's such a great way for to you to for you to reach people who normally wouldn't wouldn't be moved by your stereotypical animal communicator or who would say i'm never gonna call an animal communicator like that's yeah. crazy but here's this guy who like like you called yourself a regular old Joe, right? Like, yeah. you know, like the guy next door who's like, I believe in this. And there is a healing aspect of this that I think you you touched on perfectly is that people seek out these mediums and these animal communicators sometimes because they're so torn up and there's so much grief. Mm-hmm. But it's not a Band-Aid. It's not no. something that you do. No, yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a profoundly healing thing. It really yes. is. And do you recommend the- it? You oh, recommend absolutely. it to other people? Yeah. And to your point, I've referred a number of friends to not just the animal communicators, but also to, I've got a friend who's a a spiritual medium that, I mean, she does animals too, but she's 
human medium and and uh she is incredible and every person that i've sent her to and i've sent like probably four or five at this point they've all had profound experiences where you know they're late they walk away like wow you know like right so you know and and i've had more beyond that too so yeah i mean it's very healing when you connect with loved ones because you know because you're you realize that your relationship with them is still ongoing and the love still exists and it's not just love of a memory of them the love is still there you're still connected to these people and when you experience that it's it's incredibly healing but it's it's almost it just changes you it changes your whole perspective because i talk about there's a chapter in the book called coffee with loved ones and the reason i call it that it's because I'm not going to give it away because it, it's too good. It's too good of a chapter. <laughs> He's uh, giving us in suspense. <laughs> so, so, yeah, just a little. Right? But I, I connect with people that passed from my life like decades ago. And, through and, a medium. Through, yeah, a medium, and, through and this they, particular and, medium. Yeah. And they weren't people that I was seeking out. They just showed up. And because uh, I, you know, they weren't on my radar. And when I left, it was like, I got in my car and I'm driving home and it was like, you know, I was in a bit of a daze because of everything that I'd experienced. And the best way I could describe it, it was like, I walked into a building or to a coffee shop and, oh, wow, all these family members are here that I didn't expect. And I sat down and I had coffee with them for an hour and we reconnected and reestablished our love for each other, our awareness of our love for each other. And that was what it felt like. And then there's, you know, I'll give another little tip of this. <laughs> There's another chapter called Beer with Loved Ones. And there's these were friends of mine that I grew up with that had passed away. Again, not expecting them to show up. And it was this, it was very, you know. So, I mean, these are things that I've experienced where in the healing, you don't realize with, with my friends, I wasn't all that close to them in life. You know, mutual respect, you know, but that didn't mean that I didn't mourn them. Grief right. for the, you know, their loss and, and grief for their, for their families and what their families had to go through when they, right. and it was in, incredibly healing for me. And then what I ended up doing, and then this is also in the book, is that I, I passed the messages on to their families and, and exposed them to it. Oh, and, how and, wonderful. And, and, you know, that's a bit of a mixed bag, but I will say that overall it's had a, it's been very healing for them. But, you know, it's not just a matter of connecting with loved ones. It's, when your perspective shifts and you realize that there's so much more, it changes your perspective on life. It changes your perspective on every experience that you're going through, how important it is in terms of you know what your actions are actually, the impact that you're having on other people as a spiritual being, the impact that, you're, that your actions might have on the world. We were alluding to it. We we're talking about it off the air. I mm-hmm. recently made a decision that I'm going to be taking on something that's going to be probably not very popular and very... <laughs> very difficult for me, but I believe that it's the right thing to do. And I, right. I, don't, I don't think I ever would have been willing to, <laughs> shit, I just got, <laughs> I didn't expect that at all. Cause I didn't, I didn't even realize I was doing this. Anyway, I wouldn't have taken this on if I hadn't had these experiences. It's going to be too difficult and life-changing for me. I would have gone with the flow right? and, and I'm not going to. But now you know that there's a bit greater purpose, right? And you're yeah. open to that, to follow right. that path that's different from what you've had in that's mind. That's right. Yeah. People need to understand that, especially in, in today's world, the things that are going on, you know, that we all play a very pivotal, important role 
And we're all divine beings, even people that you can't stand and people <laughs> that are doing awful things. They are here to learn lessons as well. You know, not that they shouldn't be held accountable, you know, because that's part of their lessons. <laughs> right. But, but yeah, it's just, it's just, I think a lot of times, just speaking for myself, you know, before I had this awakening, you know, you love, you have your experiences and you're trying to, to be happy and, and make a positive difference in the world. But there's, I felt a certain sense of futility to a large extent and just all the effort you put into things and how it gets shut down or, or you see bad things happening to people or, or what does it all mean? And it doesn't mean anything. Right. Is it easier just to not care, mm-hmm. just, to, mm-hmm. just to go completely aloof to the whole thing? And the reality is that no, no, that isn't the right approach because it does mean something a lot more than you realize. Yes. And, um, and I think, you know, when you, ex- when you experience these things, it solidifies that religion does that for a lot of people, I think, but it's something different when you, when you interface with it. Yes. When you know that you have not just this realm, but other realms and everybody's rooting for you and everybody wants to, and everybody that comes into our life, whether it be canine, feline, a chinchilla, police officer turned author, all all these people come into our lives to teach us lessons. And all those people that you said you weren't that close to, but came and like reconnected with you, there was a purpose in them being in your life, even if they weren't a super close person in during their lives. Yeah. Well, and that's the thing too, especially with one of my friends, our connection was much deeper and stronger than, than what it was in life. I found that through, you know, the different communications that we've had and still continues to be. And so, yeah. And one thing I'll say too, is that, you know, the further in you go, the less you realize, you know, Yes, absolutely. And I've always (laughs) been fascinated because I've done a little bit. I've never talked to a medium, but I did have a craniosacral therapy session with somebody that turned kind of spiritual. And I actually connected with my husband's best friend who passed away a few years ago. And I feel like Ben is in in this moment. He's very ever present right now. And it's funny. I never met him in real life. I never met him Mm. in real life, but he's ever present in my life. And he's one of my maybe spirit guides or guardian angels or something like that. And I feel like I've always gotten hung up on the logistics of it. Like, where do they go? How long before they reincarnate all that stuff? And it's like, we don't need to know any of that. That's like getting hung up on the stuff that doesn't matter. The message is what matters. I'm so fascinated by everything. And I just want to thank you for sharing this story with me. I'm truly inspired. I wish you nothing but the best. Tell us how can our audience learn more about your book and your next like future endeavors? Well, the book, the easiest way to get it is go to tysonsgift.com, T-Y-S-O-N-S-G-I-F-T.com. There you'll find a link that will take you to to that right now. It's easiest to get it on Amazon. You can get it there. You can get it on uh, Kindle or probably print. I'm in the process of actually auditioning for Audible. I'm going to get an audio book made. Amazing. Uh, Congratulations. It's a, a, well, it's, you know, we'll see how it comes out. No, manifest it. It's going to be great. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I actually want to do it myself, but I don't, I don't have the the technical know-how as far as the sound engineering. I don't want it to be messed up. So I'm going to just, I'm going to go ahead and and have somebody do it, but you can also get it on barnesandnoble.com. If you're in the San Francisco Bay area, town books, town center books in Pleasanton or books on B and Hayward. And, uh, you know, I will at some point write another one and you'll see why when you read it, it kind of lends itself to a sequel. And I, it's not in the process yet, but I'm seriously considering writing a children's version of it. 
because yeah. I think it could, it could really be good for kids also because the message is very positive. You know, this is more of a, I would say, a young adult up to adult book, but I think a children's book would be appropriate. And um, I don't know. I'm just, I'm, ho- I'm not, I'm going to see where this takes me. I, I'm hoping that somehow I would love to end up, you know, working animal advocacy and doing that, that sort of thing. I'm, my plan is to donate some of the proceeds to help with animal shelters and, and rescues. And that's awesome. I'm going to get that book. I am going to read it yes. and maybe I will do a little review online for it just to like oh, share my, great. my point of view about it. I would love, I can't wait to get my hands on it. Either way, let me know what you think. I will. No, I will. I will. I will absolutely <laughs> share my point of view or my experience of the book. I feel like I want to read it tonight. So thank you. This is a toast to you and your family. Thank you same, for same you. <laughs> taking your time to chat with me. <laughs> absolutely. I really enjoyed it. I didn't realize how into this stuff you were until until we started talking. So it's good. You know, good it's match. all part of the master plan. <laughs> I also want to propose a toast to my executive producer, Mark Winter, for making this show possible. Thank you, Mark. And to our viewers on YouTube and our listeners on Pet Life Radio. Thanks for taking your time to listen and share this great story with us. And to Tyson. And to to Tyson, Tyson for sure. And to all the pets that give us this push to kind of look a little beyond our uh, regular existence. Here's to a life covered in pet hair because there's no better way to live. Cheers. Cheers. (laughs) <laughs> ching ching. To learn more about Covered in Pet Hair, please visit coveredinpethair.com or petliferadio.com. Thanks for watching and we'll see you next time. Let's talk pets every week on demand, only on petliferadio.com. <laughs>